Uh, this longtime partnership continues with uh, WCCO Radio and the Star Tribune editorial board. John Rash, as always, is here. John, how are you? I am doing fine, Chad. Good to, t- to speak with you today. Uh, why don't you introduce uh, Jill to the audience uh, and, and tell us why you thought Jill was a, an excellent guest considering what's taking place right now. Well, the best introduction to Jill Burkham is reading the editorial page, particularly since the COVID-19 crisis began across the the world and now the country. And Jill is an expert at many things, but particularly in health care. She has decades of research and reporting on health care, worked at the Mayo Clinic at one point, and is our lead editorial writer on the pandemic and the associated issues, particularly here in Minnesota. So I thought, of course, we're going to be talking about this not just today, but for the next several weeks, if not months, and that Jill would be a great colleague to kick it off with. So welcome, Jill. Jill, thanks so much for coming on. Outstanding intro from John. Um, When you look at what has happened, even in the last 24 hours, what jumps out at you the most? So, you know, the hospitals and the healthcare system have been planning for a pandemic for over 20 years. And, you know, the, the thought that leaps out at me is that you can make the best of plans and you're still going to be dealing with unknowns um, and different problems that you, you can't anticipate. Um, probably the thing that leaps out at me um, the most about unanticipated problems is just the the shortage of uh, materials required to do uh, the test for COVID-19. And uh, that's becoming particularly acute in Minnesota. Yesterday, the Minnesota Department of Health announced that they are going to uh, really restrict the testing that is done in Minnesota. It will be limited to people who are in the hospital and also healthcare workers. And while that makes sense, um, given the situation, um, because it it ensures that uh, someone with the illness is put in an infection control room um, and perhaps has has access to drug trials for investigative treatments, um, it it really is a concern about whether or not the, the testing that we're able to do outside of that indicates where the illness is spreading in Minnesota. So, that is very much a concern, um, and I just watched the White House press conference today, and right. you know the the contrast between what I know is happening here in Minnesota in terms of test limitations, and you know some of the the cheerier talk about you know the availability of of commercial labs coming online um, is is quite it's quite striking. Um, you know I hope that uh, the White House task force is right in that we're soon going to be able to expand testing. But for right now, um, it's certainly a problem in Minnesota, and I suspect a lot of other states. And again, that makes it very difficult for us to track, you know, where the illness is is spreading. Well, let's let's stay on that, Jill, because I also watched the press conference, and the testing has to be right near the top of the list of things that uh, leave us wondering how is this happening in the United States of America. When, when when multiple people today are saying again that the 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 new platform availability and that the private involvement that it's changed just dramatically in the last four or five days, are you saying from the people you're talking to 
and whether it's doctors and hospitals and Mayo Clinic and others, they aren't seeing those th- that same availability? If it's happening, it hasn't trickled down yet to the people who are on the front lines. Um, I'd like to give the White House people the benefit of the doubt about, um, you know, the commercial labs coming online and expanding capacity dramatically in the next week. But it is a message that we've heard repeated kind of over the past week that, no, no, you know, we're going to be able to do a lot more testing very soon. But um, there's a lag time here. It's unclear, you know, how much, how long that lag time is going to be. But for right now, it's it's forcing, um, you know, a limitation on, on tests. And it's it's frustrating because knowing where the virus is spreading is pretty essential. I read a um, World Health Organization report um, from Monday that said testing is critical um, and that without it, it's essentially trying to put out a fire while you are blindfolded. So you can see why it's serious and why we do need to get this taken care of soon. Um, and it remains to see whether the rhetoric out of the White House, if, if reality catches out up with well, it. Well, John, let me bring you in the conversation on that. Um, no doubt the president's tone and approach has dramatically changed in these press conferences the last three days. Hasn't completely changed, right? He he is still, through Twitter, offering up uh, some biting comments towards Democrats, and he was uh, not happy with a few of the questions today. But regarding the president's credibility on this topic, whether it was the, the reading the prompter and they had to make three corrections, telling us anybody wanted to be tested they could. Other things that you know, the president yesterday suggesting he knew it was a pandemic before others when we can cite interview after interview after interview where he was downplaying and saying it would go away. Where do you think for the folks who aren't either so loyal to the president or for the folks who are on the opposite and are just so detest the president, for the folks who still have strong opinions but go on everything with a genuinely open mind, where do you think the president is right now with those individuals credibility on this story that most notice the significant change in tone and tactics coming from the white house but put that in context as to the extraordinarily and indeed dangerous delay that they had at the start and when you have the president of the united states who as you mentioned repeatedly downplayed it to the point of calling it a hoax when it was quite clear if he and his white house colleagues would have listened and believed in the science that had come forward, that they would have moved much more aggressively and done some of the measures that they're trying to take now, that the country and indeed the world would be in a much better place. Everyone wants and needs the president to succeed at this point. And despite the disappointment of how he has approached this, how many of his congressional colleagues who support him approach this, and how a compliant conservative media approach this. At this point, all hands have to be on deck. And he seems to finally understand that on multiple levels from a health perspective, hopefully, and and that's the most imperative aspect of it. But what's been quite striking as well is how quickly the administration has moved economically to suggest multiple remedies And you know it's an extraordinary time when you have a Republican president who's pushing a plan to quickly send out checks to every American adult. And, you know, 
somewhere Andrew Yang is watching this with a jaw <laughs> agape and yep. and wondering how his idea that seemed so fringe just a few weeks ago when he was still in the primary around the New Hampshire uh, time, you know, suddenly an idea that he had of a universal basic income, if not forever, at least during this pandemic, before they're able to find mitigation to it, you know, that, that his idea got co-opted so quickly like this is, is quite striking. John and Jill, hang I, on. Oh, no, go ahead, Jill, and then we'll, we'll take a pause. Oh, well, just actually, I, I, just, I would just like to add, too, I mean, it, it took the president a long time to make this pivot, um, and there was a lot of downplaying it. And I'm, I'm just afraid that, that those who really, you know, watch him um, and, and have that determine their individual actions, um, you know, to prevent spreading of this virus. You know, is there a lag time between his, his recent pivot to take this seriously right. and, and what the public is, is being asked to do to step up and, and help stop the, the spread of, of, this, of COVID-19? I think that's very valid. I also think it's worth noting there have been multiple stories written on this that, yes, um, some of the more staggering estimates of potential fatalities really touched the president, but also so did the opening monologue from Tucker Carlson last week, that when Tucker uh, was calling him out, but not by name, that that really resonated with him and shouldn't surprise a single soul, considering the power of Fox News in particular and the president uh, both ways, the the president towards Fox News and Fox News towards the president. John Rash and Jill Burkham are with us. Short pause. Come back with more. Playing Politics, partnership between the uh, Star Tribune and News Talk 830 WCCO. We continue with uh, John Rash and Jill Burkham from the uh, Star Tribune editorial board. Uh, Jill, I want to ask this question to you. Chris Ayersman, the uh, state infectious disease director, is coming on with us at 2.35, so about 40, about 35 minutes from now. What should be my first question? If you were asking... Uh, Chris, a question day, and you only had one. What would you ask? I think I would ask her about how prepared our hospitals are for a potential surge, uh, a really bad surge, um, in the event that there's widespread infections. Um, I know that Chris has been doing pandemic preparedness for for 20 years. Um, In fact, I was a speaker at one of the first events that she did on what the media would do. Um, but, um, you know, she's got a great perspective on, on just what hospitals have been doing, um, but what might be some of the, you know, unique situations that this particular virus is posing and whether or not we are ready to take on a lot of people seeking hospital care. John, what's your reaction to how other politicians, including Republicans, reacted to the governor? when he spoke Monday at about uh, 5.15 or so and announced the closure of so many places. I had uh, Senator Gazelka on yesterday, and Senator Gazelka, who and the governor, who I think personally get along fine, uh, probably have a better personal relationship, I think, by a, a long margin than, than Gazelka and Dayton had. But even Gazelka was like, this isn't the time for me to criticize. You had, you had a few state senators, including Roger Chamberlain, who did not agree but I think this does show the unique times we're at right now, at least so far in Minnesota, that it's mainly been ones of support on what is taking place here in the state itself. It may change dramatically. That's just my initial view. What do you think? This is not how we wanted to get here, but it's an example of how one Minnesota can work, at least in times of a crisis. So 
I commend Senator Gazelka, the governor, and all the House leaders as well in terms of pulling together here. And it's notable that this was also on display from a federal level in Minnesota's congressional delegations. Our delegation, our two senators and eight representatives came together and under one banner and under a letter that they sent that they reunited in terms of what they expected out of a federal response and their hope that the state lawmakers, as well as most profoundly the state citizens, were rallying to this cause. So I think that when we really, truly face a challenge like this, who Minnesotans are really can come out and show. Now, of course, there will always be cracks on tactics in terms of you know what, how they go about it, particularly to the degree that it gets economic. But in general, the leaders of this state and those who are represented us in Washington are indeed pulling together. Jill, I'd just like oh, to go ahead. add yep. something. Yeah, I'd like to add something here too. One of the the differences that I've seen in Minnesota from the federal level is that um, there's been a, a very good working relationship between the governor, um, legislators, and the Minnesota Department of Health. Um, and that I believe that um, our political leaders are really leaning towards, leaning on um, the decisions that our public health officials are made and they're respecting them and, and carrying them out. In contrast, at the federal level, um, I, I think it's been, I think the, the move to, to really heed public health professionals has come later in the process. And I think that that's hindered our response at the federal level. Um, I'm really glad not to see that here, and it shouldn't have happened here because we have really a world-class team at the Minnesota Department of Health. So they have been tapped as the resource that they are, and that's good. 54 past one, Chad Hartman with John Rash and Jill Burkham from the Star Tribune editorial board. They're both on the Centerpoint Energy Home Service Plus hotline. I'll ask both of you this question. I'll start with you first, Jill, and it goes back to testing. That's where we started, the lack of tests maybe what's really happening compared to a a rosier picture portrayed by the White House again. News breaks last night that four members of Brooklyn Nets, most notably Kevin Durant, tested positive for COVID-19, and a number of these individuals were not showing any symptoms. You also had the situation a week ago when Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz tested positive that instantly the Jazz – Players at Oklahoma City, players and others were tested right away. I get in society that power and affluence has led to access to a lot of things. That in its purest form is not fair. It, it, it is a part of society that can infuriate a lot of people. But Jill, on this one, when you're seeing that well-known individuals, uh, even when they're not showing any signs any symptoms are getting access to tests. And then we hear of thousands and thousands of others who have symptoms and can't, can't get tests. It, it is even further infuriating. I think infuriating is the word. I have looked at that myself and thought, now, wait a second. Why are they getting testing? And, and, and yet here we are in Minnesota scrambling to, to test people who actually have symptoms and, and may need to go into the hospital or take isolation measures. Um, the president did address that this morning at his press conference, you know, and his his uh, reaction was disappointing. It was just, well, that's that's life. Um, one one more um, reasonable explanation that I that could be could explain this is that there are some private companies 
that are out there who are performing this testing. And I think that I've seen that at least one sports team has gone this route. So they, they may not have gotten the, you know, the limited number of, of CDC test kits, but they might have gone a different route to, to get tested. Um, and, you know, like from a commercial lab. So it, it may not quite be um, as bad as it looks, but um, I think that there should be further questions going along about um, whether or not there was unequal access to this testing at such a critical time. John, what do you think? On Monday, the Director General of the World Health Organization said, quote, we have a simple message to all countries, test, 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 end quote. And that is what has happened in those countries that have had much more aggressive and successful mitigation efforts. I interviewed a diplomat from Taiwan and an expert at the University of Minnesota about that nation's response, and they were completely prepared for a pandemic, didn't know what it would be. They were seared by the SARS experience in 2003, and they made aggressive testing available to everyone, regardless of socioeconomic status, and they made it for free, and that helped them identify and treat those that who, who had been afflicted by the coronavirus. And, of course, it's important to remember they're 81 miles south of China. They have millions of Chinese visitors, including direct flights from Wuhan, the epicenter of the pandemic, coming into their country. And they were able to very quickly get it under control. And part of that was they knew how widespread it was and, and were able to act accordingly. I don't begrudge the fact that people who came into close contact got tested. I do think it's an example of, one, how income inequality isn't just a monetary but a moral issue in terms of people's ability you know, to pay or to, or to get access like that. And more than anything, it goes back to the unpreparedness John, of this I, country and the yep. delay that we had. I just got to jump in because we're coming up on a hard break. Thanks so much, guys. Greatly appreciate it. CBS News is next. 